you expect when you come to Metro Praise International. We're just led by the Lord. We're on his time schedule. We want to do what he wants to do. Do you ever have a, uh, an order of service when you hang out with your friends? Now at 10 to 15, we're going to play Xbox. Then after that, we're going to make pizza. Then we're going to do our hairs and nails. No, don't you just hang out? Isn't it cool just to hang out with Jesus? I mean, you take away the lights, you take away the pulpit, the microphone. It's just all about Jesus, right? So we needed to do that because I needed to be encouraged. And it was so awesome to see even our staff coming up saying, pray for us, young guys, because we never want to lose the fire either. Pastor Berto and Pastor Jerry, they don't want to lose the fire. We want to keep burning for Jesus. We're in the middle of a series called the Beatitudes. We're learning the eight blessed sayings of Jesus. The text is Matthew 5, 1 through 10. All of the messages are online except last week's because the sermon player that we use, their website crashed. So other than that, you got all of these back messages you can listen to. And I'm asking you to memorize one a week with me. And at the end of this series, we're going to have you recite them all. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's look at it today. Verse 1, chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, what? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of what? Come on, everybody say heaven. Say heaven. <laughs> oh, I feel Jesus. By the way, thank you for everyone who prayed for me as my wife was gone for five days. I made it, and she came back even hotter than she left. Glory to God going to make more babies hallelujah anyways that's another discussion looking at our terms for this whole series disciples that's who jesus is talking to committed learners and students of jesus christ where he's at right now is the sermon on the mount and i am just like leaning so hard now to continue the whole sermon on the mount after the beatitudes how many can i get a witness and amen a whoop whoop i think we should do the whole thing matthew 5 6 and 7 and then just a little whet your appetite after all that i think i want to do a sermon series on taboos i just want to go there i want to tell you yeah. i want to do a sermon series on taboos and i want to talk about you know drinking in the church or alcohol how does god feel about it tattoos uh, homosexuality all types of taboos in the church i want to talk about it and keep it real keep it 100 all right but i feel before we get into taboos we need to go through the whole entire sermon on the out to build our foundation so be excited about that so by the time summer comes and y'all wanting to show off your tattoos and everything will be on taboos hopefully the warmer weather which they say is supposed to be what in 13 days how many think we're going to have a normal spring this year is anybody believing that no like we'll just go like from winter to summer like really hot and humid like the first warm day will be like sweltering right like 90 degrees in chicago humidity which is weird i never thought it would be here because i used to live in the south but we all get some humidity up here don't we it's hot so sermon on the mount is what we're talking about in the big picture and it's the foundation of our christian ethics and morals the beatitudes is just the introduction of that so jesus starts off his whole teaching there and then the beatitudes means the blessed blissful happy sayings of jesus somebody say happy 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 right that's what we want to be is happy and the word blessed literally means not only just happy like oh, i'm just so you know in a emotional happiness but it means that god favors me and i'm supported by god that's why i'm happy because god is on my side and god does choose sides y'all and God does pick favorites but here's the good thing everybody can be on God's side if they do it his way and everybody can be one of God's favorites if you obey his word so do what God wants you to do and he will favor your cause amen oh I didn't hear an amen on that I said do what God wants you to do and he will favor your cause so we know God loves the whole world the same, but he does not bless the whole world the same. There's blessings that he reserves for his people. I love the whole world, but I have a certain blessing for my children. They're going to get an inheritance. Everybody else ain't going to get that inheritance, but I love y'all. Can I get a whoop whoop on that? Amen. I'm saving up to bless my children one day. Well, that's how it is with God. God loves the entire world, but it's the children that get the kingdom of heaven. It's the children that get the blessings here on this earth. It's the children that get the promise of peace and joy and love and all that stuff. And, and 
you may say, well, Joe, I can never be your child. And that's right. But the good thing about Jesus is he's got an adoption agency. And he wants to put everybody up in his family. Amen. Even the redheaded stepchild ain't nobody like. Amen. Don't look at some redheaded person right now. Please don't. But God loves everybody, even that crazy cousin Flacco. He loves Flacco. He wants him to come on down. Amen. It's like, I lost you on cousin Flacco. Please forgive me. Flacco, forgive me. Kingdom of heaven. Somebody say kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven means that it's all about God being king, and it's about what he's doing here as our king in our heart, that he is uh, in our lives as Lord. Somebody say Lord. Thank you. That means he's our master. What he says we obey in here, and he's either the Lord of all or he's not Lord what? At all. So he's got to be Lord of all. And then one day he's going to reign here on earth. The Bible says every knee shall bow before King Jesus and every tongue confess that he is Lord. He is king. The sad part is that may be the last thing they do until they get sent to the lake of fire, get kicked out. Look at your neighbor and say, don't get kicked out. Wouldn't that just stink in the highest regard? I mean, you, the last thing you see is heaven. The last thing you see is the glory of God. The last thing you see is us partying up there as you're getting sentenced to the lake of fire. Would that not be tragic? That would be tragic. As a matter of fact, the Bible says regret never goes away in the lake of fire. They will remember the mistake that they made in rejecting Christ. May that not be said of us. Now, looking to today's sermon, blessed are the pure in heart. Look at Matthew 5, 8 there. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? See God. Okay, now let's uh, hide all of these scriptures, please, uh, and let's see if we can now quote all of the scriptures up until this point, okay? So Matthew 5, 6. Oh, hold on. Matthew, so Matthew 5, 3. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those, for they will be comforted. Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the, for they will inherit the earth. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst righteousness, for they will be filled. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the, for they shall receive mercy. That's what we talked about last week. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Today's message, Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. All right, that's awesome. Give yourself a hand clap. Come on. Amen. Looking up at the introduction today, notes are always online for you as well. Can the sinner really become a saint? Y'all believe that? Or have an answer to that question, can a sinner really become a saint? Can the dirty in heart that have been stained with sin really be washed as white as snow? That's something you have to ask yourself today. Can a sinner really become a saint? Can the one who's really just dirty because of sin be as white as snow? And I believe yes. Somebody say yes. But you have to answer that question for yourself today. The Bible from front to back and everything in between promises that God will make us new when we're born again. In fact, the entire hope of the Old Testament is that when Christ comes, we just don't have religion out here anymore. We have a relationship that transforms our lives in here. We're not just sacrificing out here, but we're washed in here. That was the whole hope of the Old Testament, is that man would be in intimacy with God, that man would walk with God. That was what was lost in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve used to walk with God, the Bible says, in the cool of the day. And yet now we can have that privilege through Jesus. But in the Old Testament, they were waiting for that. And so you have to ask yourself, do I believe that? Because I truly believe that all those who are born again are new creations. The old has gone, the new has come, and the bliss, as the Bible said, the happy, the blissful, and pure in heart are not only clean, they're squeaky clean. There are just no marks left on them. They're without blemish. They're so clean you would want to eat your lunch off of them. Hello, somebody. You ever seen like those nudist sushi type things? No, that's just me. I went there. But they have like these bodies that will go into these like artistic places and they'll put sushi on these naked bodies. Lord, forgive me for going there. Now you have this image. But they would have to be clean to eat food off of them. God makes us so clean. Now watch this. I'm going to turn it around. Help me, Jesus. That our dirty hands can now be clean, that we can clean one another. 
that we now can give good things to each other. If I had just been out in the mud all day and I picked up an apple and it had the mud I had on me now on that apple, would you want that apple? No, but if I had clean hands and a, a pure heart and I pick up that apple and I give it to you, it's clean. You trust me, right? Unless you're a germaphobe. Any germaphobes in here? We want to get you set free. You would trust that. And God wants you to be able to give good things to others. Somebody say pure in heart. Here's what I want you to learn. Let's look down here today to today's lesson. Uh, number one, the word pure is katharos. Everybody say katharos. And that is the Greek language in the New Testament, and it means to be free from sin, blameless in God's sight, and cleansed from all purity. So when God said, blessed are the pure in heart, what is he saying? Blessed are those who are free from sin. Blessed are those who are blameless in God's sight, and blessed are those who are cleansed from all impurity. Do you believe that? You see, I'm going to be asking you that question a lot today because I, as a pastor, if from people's confession and by the way they live, I don't think many people believe this. I don't think you really believe that you can be pure on this earth. We say this all the time. Well, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Well, what's, what's true? Is nobody perfect? Nobody cleansed? Nobody pure? Or did God make us pure, free from sin, blameless? What is right? Man's opinion to keep on sinning, to make excuses? If I said to my wife when I got married at the wedding vow, honey, nobody's perfect. Like if they asked me, do you promise to be faithful to her unto death do you part? And I go, nobody's perfect. What do you think she would have said after that? Slap me upside the head. You better be perfect at not cheating on me. Hello. How many of you expect our nursery workers to be perfect at not murdering your children back there? Hello. How many of you believe your neighbor to be perfect right now and not stealing from you? You see, we all believe in these degrees of perfection, but somehow when we put it all together, we say, oh, there's no way we could be free from it all. Oh, I, I could be free from murder. I could be free from lying. I, I could be free from stealing. Oh, but I don't know if I could be free from bitterness. I don't know if I could be free from jealousy. Does the Bible say, blessed are those who are half pure and half dirty? Does it say that? Blessed who are those who are just filthy, rotten on the inside, but Jesus loves you and you're going to heaven one day. See, I think sometimes we look at God being that collector of old cars that's a little bit senile, you know. So he's not really good at collecting and restoring cars. He just buys them and becomes like a hoarder. So, so Jesus becomes like this hoarder, you know. So he goes to a junkyard and he sees some tore up 1950s Chevy car. He goes, oh, I'll take it. I'll bring it back to my house. And then a few years go by and you go back and see, how's that 50 Chevy coming along? And there's vines and weeds growing all up in it. It's worse off than it used to be. I think sometimes we think of Jesus that way. Jesus sees you all messed up, and he goes, hey, I just don't want you to go to hell, so I'm going to help you. I'm going to bring you with me to heaven, and on your way to heaven, I'm just going to leave you out in my backyard. You're going to be all messed up in life. I'm not going to fix you. I'm just going to leave you just as you are. But I'm a good God. And when everybody sees you, they're going to see that their life is messed up just like your life is messed up. Is that our God? Is God doing that to us? He says, well, I'll just save you partially. I'll just take you out the junkyard and put you in my backyard. But really, you look no different. You talk no different. You act no different. You certainly aren't pure. You're just as imperfect and messed up as the person who says it as an excuse to live in sin. Really, what's the difference, right? What's the difference between the Christian who says nobody's perfect and the person going to hell that says nobody's perfect? What's the difference? Everybody's using the same excuse. Just one says, I know Jesus. I know Jesus didn't change anything in my life, so my excuse is still I'm not perfect. Well, the other person, they don't know Jesus, and they expect Jesus to forgive them on judgment day just because nobody else is perfect. Number two, see, I believe we're willing in the body of Christ. I'm talking about right here. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. I believe here in the body of Christ, in this church, Metro Praise International, we're willing to believe almost anything about the Bible except the fact that Jesus made us pure and holy when we were born again. Literally, we'll believe anything about the Bible. We will. We'll say, oh, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Okay, and then when you confess a sin and we say, Jesus doesn't want you to do that anymore, he set you free from that sin and expects you to live pure. Oh, I don't know if I believe that. Oh, I don't know if I believe that. Here are the things that we'll believe as Christians. We'll believe a snake talked. 
<laughs> Think about that. A snake talked. When was the last time you had that happen and, and while you were sober? A snake talked. Noah built an ark to hold two of every kind of animal. You ever think about that? All the two kinds of animals, uh, all the animals, two kinds, uh, two of each kind, rather, come to this ark. I mean, that's pretty amazing to believe that, right? Jacob wrestled with an angel, saw a stairway to heaven. We'll believe that. We'll believe that God turned a river into blood. The whole entire Nile River became blood. And he split the Red Sea. You ever seen a sea? A sea is about the size of Lake Michigan and bigger. Are you guys with me? We believe God split it, and they walked on dry ground. We'll believe that. We'll believe that God put up a pillar of fire at night, a pillar of fire just in the middle of the sky, and then a cloud by day over the temple to lead the people for 40 years. It wasn't just like a random thing. For 40 years, there was a fire, a pillar, and a cloud. We'll believe, like, no problem. Look at your neighbor and say, that's normal. Of course I believe that. We'll believe that a young boy defeated a giant with a slingshot. We'll believe that Elijah called down fire from heaven. He ran faster than a chariot and raised the dead. That's one of the most popular prophets of the Old Testament. Yeah, I believe Elijah did all that. We also have no trouble believing this. Like you ask anybody right here, do you believe Jesus was born of a virgin? Of course he was. Of course I believe that. Nobody had sex when Jesus was born. I believe it. How many know people in the world think we're crazy because we believe that? Yeah, Jesus was born of a virgin. We believe he walked on water. You ever try that? Try it in your bathtub. Try it somewhere. Try, try to walk on water. We believe he walked on water. There he was. He walked on water. Peter did for a little bit too, right? Then Peter fell in, and then what did Jesus do? Pick him up. Held not only his weight, but somebody else's weight on water. And he calmed the storm. We believe that's not even a problem. Look at your neighbor and say, of course he did. We believe he opened blinded eyes. We believe he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, rose from the dead. And we don't only just believe he rose from the dead. We believe he ascended to heaven in a cloud. Like, where's Jesus? There he goes in a cloud. And they're just looking up at him in the, you know, the clouds. He's, he's gone into the clouds. He's on a cloud into the clouds. And then the angels literally have to come and talk to the disciples and go, hey, guys, you got stuff to do. Don't worry. He'll come back the same way he left. Do you all believe that? I mean, I believe that. I'm not trying to mock our beliefs. I'm saying I believe this stuff. You believe it too. You don't even think twice about it. Jesus went to heaven on a cloud. Of course he did. We also, believe, we also believe that Paul was blinded by Jesus, knocked off his horse, and then when they prayed so that he could see, scales fell from his eyes. Not even a problem. Like, you're not even blinking an eye. You're like, you haven't even got to the heart stuff yet, Pastor. Of course, of course I believe that. That's exactly what happened to Paul. That's why he became a Christian. Wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. We also believe that Jesus is coming back on a white horse. <laughs> coming back on a horse with the angels of heaven on the clouds of glory, destroying the nations. We believe all of that. And then he's going to set up New Jerusalem. Everybody say New Jerusalem. We believe he's going to set up New Jerusalem that is a big box made of uh, precious jewels and gems. Now listen to it. New Jerusalem, the city is 1,400 miles wide and 1,400 miles high. That's how high the walls are. One, four, zero, zero, 1,400 miles high. They have pictures of it, you know, like as we've tried to make uh, examples on a globe. It takes up almost all of America, and 1,400 miles is quite a bit of miles. It's like, you know, getting close to the moon. Are you with me? You believe that. You're going to live there. You're going to have a condo there. Like your mansion is going to be there. How many ready for your mansion? Swing low, sweet chariot, coming to carry me home. Like you're ready for that. I tell you right now that there is a mansion for you in a 1,400-mile-high city, and you are like, I'm there. I already got my decoration picked out. You are there. Like, there's just, it's just not even hard for you to believe that. Then we'll believe that there's creatures in heaven we have never even seen, nor can we imagine. They have six wings, and one has the face of an ox. Another one has the face of a lion. Another one of a man, an eagle. And this is not metaphorical language. This is literally, they're there, the seraphim, and they're singing, holy, holy, holy. And you're like, I can't wait to meet the ox-headed angel. I can't wait to meet the ox. Uh, the, I can't wait to meet eagle face, because I'm going to hang out with them. Me and eagle face are going to talk about stuff in heaven. So you're getting excited. Oh, yeah, there's these six-winged creatures up there. They got faces of animals, and they're, just, they're loving on God. I can't wait to meet those guys. That's awesome. However, after believing all of these miraculous things in the Bible, by faith, because we haven't seen them, we actually still doubt that God has truly made our hearts pure when he saved us. And that should be the thing that we believe the most. 
When I say to you, you're born again, your sin nature has been dealt with on the cross. You have now been given a new nature to live like Jesus. You should say, I believe that. You should say, I 100% believe that. When I tell you that sin should not be a part of your life anymore, you should say, of course not. Of course not, sin shouldn't be a part of my life. I've been saved. Saved means something. I'm saved from my sin. I'm saved from my old ways. I know that I've been saved. You know it, those of you who have been saved. You know God touched your heart. There was a time that God just rocked you, whether it was at an altar call at my parents' kitchen table, and you knew that God was real, and you knew that he was changing you. Like for me, I was rebellious, but that day that I prayed, all of a sudden I started loving my parents in a different way. That command to obey your parents became real to me. I didn't try to force myself to stop doing drugs. I didn't take 12 steps. It was one step to Jesus. The desire to do drugs wasn't there. But isn't that the same for everybody? Oh, no, that's not the same for me, Pastor. I still struggle. I still do this. Well, then what's the problem? Is it God is the problem? What washes your heart white as snow is the blood? Is the blood not strong enough for the stain in your heart? Is he not able to do that really in your heart? Or for the other things in my life that weren't as big as drugs and alcohol, maybe bitterness. So now after being a Christian for a while, I don't do drugs, I don't party, I don't do all that. Oh, but I'm still dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness. Is, is God's blood not so strong to wash away bitterness as he did alcohol abuse, as he did drunkenness? No, the problem isn't with God. The problem's with our faith and believing in God. Because the moment we stop believing that God makes us pure from all things, those things we don't think he made us pure from become our pet sins. Those sins that we'll make excuses for and say, well, you know, he purified me from all this, but he didn't purify me from this. You know, God said my past is now my past and my future is what I live for. But you know what? That's not for me. I have to carry my past with me everywhere I go. I can't forgive. I can't be pure from this because you know what? You don't know how bad I was hurt. And when we do that, the devil sits back and he laughs and he's happy because he knows that God works through our obedience, through our faith. And by us doubting, we're becoming disobedient. We're saying, God, you make junk when you made, God, when you said I was born again, you actually made junk. I'm that old 50 Chevy sitting right here. Because ain't nobody perfect. And God, you didn't expect me to stop sinning. God, you didn't expect me to live pure. How many know sin is not good for you? See, some of you who are living in sin and you still like your sin, that's part of the problem. So you don't have God's heart. Even for those of us here who may sin and repent, at least many of us here are already to the place we hate our sin. Some of you aren't even to the place you hate your sin. Like you're making excuses for your sin. Like have you really met Jesus? Like have you met him? Jesus is loving and kind and generous and gracious, but he hates sin. And he doesn't hate it in a way like he judges one or the other, all of it. I mean, Jesus put it down all together. He, he put uh, sexual sins with greed and bitterness. He just combined it all together in one sin sandwich and said, no, thank you. I'll take holiness instead. I want you to look at all these promises the Bible says. Anybody believe the Bible here? Can I read it to you now? Don't take my word for it. Take the promises of the Bible. I want to read through these quickly. The promises of a pure heart in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 36. Love the Lord, uh, excuse me, the Lord your God will circumcise what? Your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart, with all your soul and live. I've had people actually tell me, well, I don't think I can love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's just so hard. I try to give it to him, and it's not enough. He said he'll circumcise your heart so you can do it. Did he lie or did he tell the truth? What do you believe? See, that's the difference, friends. We can sit here all today and play make-believe, just like we're at a Star Trek convention. How many believe in Klingons? How many believe in the, the, Star, uh, the Enterprise? How many believe in uh, Vulcans? How many believe, oh, we all believe it, Pastor. Okay, what does it do for your life? Absolutely nothing except make you look weird, right? <laughs> right? What, what does that do for you, being a part of the Star Trek convention? Nothing. Well, if you really believe in what the Bible says, it should transform your life. You're hanging around Jesus. He said, what, you got a problem with your heart? You need a heart, a, a, a heart surgery? You need to have it exchanged? 
You need to have a heart transplant? Good news. I'm in the heart transplanting business. I'll give you a heart. I will give you a heart so you can love me with all of it. You can't love God with the hearts you have now, with the attitudes you have now. He has to give you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. This is what they look forward to. And your descendants, praise God, Bethany will have that heart. Amen. Any other parents here claiming that heart over their children? My children won't go through the same things I went through because I'm going to teach them in a way that they'll understand this. Ezekiel 36, 25. Because I don't believe everybody has to sin to understand how much they hate sin. I thank God for people like Lawrence that never did drugs, dropped out of high school. Amen. That's our drummer. He should be proud of that testimony. Don't you dare try to tell somebody like him, he don't know the world like you do, like it's a negative thing. God bless him, he doesn't know the world like the way you do. Amen. Well, he won't be able to relate to anybody. I'll tell you what, he'll relate to anybody who wants to have a pure heart. Amen. Well, I had to be in jail so I could go do the jailhouse ministry. I had to be a homosexual so I could go to Belmont and Clark. I had to snort coke so I could talk to... No, all you have to do is know Jesus and know what a pure heart is and talk to anybody with a dirty heart and say, this is how we all get clean. This is how we all get transformed. It's by the blood of Jesus. Amen. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Thank you, Jesus. And you will be partially clean and partially messed up. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from some of your impurities. I will cleanse you from all your dirtiness, all your impurities, and remove all your idols. I'm not saying watching sports or TV is a bad thing, but you know why many of us here aren't talking about sports all day long? Because for some here, that was an idol for them. And when they got saved, Jesus removed the idol. You could say, well, I can never imagine not needing to, uh, I could never imagine a time in my life not having to watch Sports Center or having to have this kind of clothes or this fashion, whatever it is. Come to Jesus. Let him transform your heart, and he'll show you what real love is all about. You'll still do those things if it's not sinful. That's okay. But you'll know your heart's been changed. You don't look at it the same way you did. He'll take idols out there. I used to idolize musicians. Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. You know, Alan Jurgensen from Ministry. Y'all don't even know who some of these people are. But I used to idolize them. Glenn Danzig. Y'all don't even know who I'm talking about. Some of you do. Wax tracks down here, right here in Chicago, right there in Wicker Park. Come on. I used to idolize these men. But Jesus took those idols out of my heart. I don't look at them the same. It says, verse 26, I will give you a new heart. Now, I want everybody to listen to this because sometimes in the church we get confused about body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. I'm going to show you this today. And sometimes we think we're born again in our spirit, but our soul isn't saved. Okay? The heart here represents your soul. Listen to what it says. I will give you a new heart and put a what? A new spirit in you. It's all or nothing, baby. You aren't in some category, you aren't in some two categories in your life, like subdivided, like this is my spirit side, this is my soul side. The Bible says it's one. It may be separate in the sense of divided by the word of God, so you know what comes from the Holy Spirit and what comes from your own emotions, but they operate as one. When your body dies as one, soul and spirit go to heaven. And here the heart is being referred to as your soul. So your soul is cleansed. Your heart is cleansed, and what else is cleansed? Your spirit. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you, listen to this, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Is Jesus telling the truth or not? Is this prophecy real or not? What does it say in Psalms 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still and quiet waters that restore my soul. He leads me in paths of, for what? His name's sake. He said, I will move you to keep my laws. People have told me sometimes, well, you know what? How do I know what's right and wrong? I mean, the Bible doesn't tell me every little detail of my life. It doesn't tell me who to date. It doesn't tell me, you know, how much I can spend on this and how much I can spend on that. You know, the Bible speaks in generalities, you know. You give a tithe to the Lord, you got 90% left. He doesn't tell you what you got to spend it on. You got to know that for yourself, right? Do I spend it on this? Do I buy this? He doesn't tell you what job to have in the Bible. Are you guys listening to me? There isn't a Bible of Rudy, chapter 1. This is the job you have. This is the woman you're going to date. This is how you spend your money. So people come to me. How do I know how to live for Jesus? Get his spirit. 
Let him make you pure on the inside, and he will move you to obey him. He'll say, no, this is not the friends you should have. This is the friends you should have. No, this is not the person you should date. This is the person you should date. Or remain single. No, don't spend your money and time on this. Spend your time and money on this. If he is God of the universe, can he speak to our hearts? Can he move us? Now ask yourself this question. Is there any time when you and I are led into sin that he says it's okay to sin? The word of God, I don't have it up, actually says there is not a time when you face a temptation that he does not make a way of escape. Some of you are like, well, I didn't hear that way of escape. You're not hanging out with him then. Because everyone here that wants to be a friend of Jesus, you will know through your conscience, that thing you know right and wrong from, you hang out with Jesus, you will know. Now, some of you here have different value systems in Jesus, and you haven't been born again. That's why you don't feel the conviction. So, for example, I used to curse all the time. Never felt bad about it. My conscience was fine with me cursing. I didn't think twice about it. Just cursed. It came out my mouth. It was natural. But the moment I got saved, I could not curse without the Holy Spirit leading me to talk differently. Are you all listening? I had no problem looking at pornography. I never felt convicted about it one time. I'm just being honest with you. I grew up looking at it. My friends watched it. We, we looked at it. Just pornography was normal. I lived with my friends, had it in the bathroom. We would just look at it all the time. Porn. Are you all tracking with me? The moment I got saved, nobody told me throw out porn. Nobody told me it was wrong. But the moment I went back to the house and I saw the magazine, I became convicted that moment. Well, I don't know Jesus like that. You better get born again so you can get to heaven. Because if you don't know him like that, I don't know who you prayed to. But if you pray to Jesus and ask him to save you, you'll get the real Holy Spirit, and he'll talk to you about stuff like that. He'll talk to you about stuff. I remember I had a terrible temper, too. I was just angry. I would throw fits of rage. Now, obviously, I would feel bad about that sometimes. I remember one time I was so mad at this guy, I could not punch him enough in the face. I was so mad at him. He was scared of me, and I just kept punching him. He ran into his car. He was rolling up the window. I kept punching him in his face. I was screaming. I was red-faced. I was so angry. I didn't feel bad about it. Are you listening to me? But there were other times I yelled at people. I would feel bad about it. But the bottom line is I always felt... If you had it coming, you deserved it. So that guy got punched in the face because he deserved it that day. I didn't feel bad about it. Are you listening? But then there were times if they didn't deserve it, I would feel bad. The moment I got saved, I was skating with my friends, skateboarding, y'all. I was skating. I fell down. I took my skateboard and had a fit of rage. You know what I'm talking about. I started beating my skateboard on the ground. I was hollering like a lunatic. And God told me, you ain't like that no more. Stop it. God spoke to my heart and said, that's not who you are anymore. You stop it. I knew that fits of rage were not going to be my normal life anymore. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Was I the only one that got saved in here? Did anybody else get saved in here? Did anybody else meet Jesus in here? If you haven't, you need to meet him. I'm not talking about Father Tom and taking communion. I'm talking about meeting Jesus. I'm talking about meeting the creator of the universe that cares about you, and there's no little gray area of sin with him. It's black and white, and he doesn't want you to sin, and he wants you to live holy because it's for your good. It's for your blessings. Number five, the purity of the promise of purity is fulfilled in the new birth. When we get born again, 1 Peter 1, 22 through 23, I got like eight more points in a graph, and I'm not even halfway done. It's 11.52. How did this happen? First Peter 1.22, having purified. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Boom, shakalaka. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. For a sincere brotherly love, love one another with a, from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. The word of God is in our souls. He's, what's your soul? Your mind, will, and emotions. The Bible calls it a heart sometimes. Sometimes it calls it a soul. It's just that inner person. You know who you are. When you're born again, it's cleansed. And you'll notice that's the way God wants you to be. He wants you to keep it that way. And any time you sin, what will it feel like? Like a pebble in your shoe. 
Before it used to be normal, but now it will feel like a discomfort. And that's conviction. And God will say, get that thing out. Or it's like having a pure bottle of water and there's anthrax in there. And you're like 99.99% pure. It's not good anymore. I got to get out that 0.10%, that 0.01% of anthrax. The pure heart knows sin at the moment it comes because it's been cleansed. It's been purified. I'm not talking about man-made rules. I'm talking about the things that are obvious. Galatians chapter 5 says sin is obvious. Sexual immorality, bitterness and anger, fits of rage. I'm not talking about how long you wear your hair, women, whether or not you wear makeup. I'm not talking about man-made rules. Men can put that on you. I'm talking about what God says to you through his word. Now, some people say, well, pastor, if we're cleansed, that must mean now we can never mess up. We can never uh, uh, not, not go to heaven. Once I'm saved, I'm always saved, Jesus. So now you're, you know, you're just going to have to love me the way I am. No, look at number six here. Sin in the believer's life will still defile them. So if you decide to keep living in sin after being a Christian, and those of us here who are genuine Christians, if you just think to yourself, well, he loves me. He, he brought me into his house. He's renovated me. I can just do now what I want, and he'll still have to bring me to heaven. That's not true. You can lose your salvation, not by doing so many bad things, but by stop having faith in Christ's redemption. So think of it this way. You came to Christ through faith. You said, Jesus, I believe you want to do this in my life. At some point, if you say, I don't want to do that anymore, he's not a divine kidnapper, okay? It's not like when you come to my house, I say, did you want to come here? And you're like, yeah, I wanted, you, I wanted to come here. Now you're never going to leave. <laughs> Lock the door. So I came to, like Jesus said, do you want to come? Yeah, I'll come, Jesus. Lock the door, angels. No one's getting out of here. No, the same way you came in, by faith. Yes, Jesus, I want to come and live with you. I want to do things your way. You begin to say, no, Jesus, I don't want to do things your way. You begin to disbelieve his commands. You begin to, to disbelieve his character. See, his commands are connected to his character. See, when you think you're just breaking commands, you think you're just breaking like black and white rules on a piece of paper. No, you're breaking God's heart because it's connected to his character. When we make a rule list in our house and put it on, the, the, when my kids can read and we're going to put it up, you know, make your bed, do all this. When they don't do that, it's not that they're just breaking a rule. They're breaking my heart. See, my heart is connected to their obedience. It's the same thing with God. Look at what he says. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be what? To be holy. Without holiness, no one will what? See the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Without holiness, what? No one will see the Lord. So people who are like, Pastor, you're like really intense. That was really, that was really hard for me to hear today. I was really, I'm going to go back to St. Cleopatra's, you know, wherever I go. I'm going to go back there. That's like way more mellow over there. It's a little weird, the smells and the bells. But I'd rather go back over there and have the man dress up like mother and we call him father than you yell at me and talk about I ain't knowing Jesus, right? Because I know Jesus. I know exactly what he looks like. He's blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, the skinny guy right up there on that cross, porcelain Jesus. That's the one I know, right? So you may say to yourself, Joe, I don't want to go your way. I, I figured out another way. Let me ask you, can you get around this? Tell me what it means to you. I'll give you the Greek translation. I have it in my Bible. That's the original version. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. What do you think that means? Like there's another way to see the Lord? How many ways are there to see the Lord? I mean, if I'm your friend, I'm telling you the truth right now, aren't I? An enemy lies to you. I don't know how anyone else can interpret it. And if you can find another interpretation from a pastor or a priest, I'll debate them up here on a Sunday morning, roundside seat. Let's get ready to rumble. I will debate it. What do you think it means, Father Tom? Well, it means that they're always a sinner and they have to come to confession and they had to be baptized as a baby and they got to light candles and then they still might go to purgatory and get cleansed from all their junk. Okay, that's what you think, Father Tom. This is what I think. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So get born again and be made holy. That's what I think it means. That's what I believe it means. You've been purified in your souls, according to Peter, when you were born again. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. See, the grace of God will never fall short, but you can fall short of it. God will continue to forgive the person that wants to be forgiven in a genuine sense. But the person that wants to play one over on God, like, hey, I'm going to treat God like he's the corner store drug dealer guy, the corner, uh, corner drug dealer guy. Like, I'm going to try to get one over on him, try to give him some bogus product, try to, try to rip him off a little bit. You think you're going to say to Jesus, well, I'm sorry, but you don't really mean it. I'm sorry for living in adultery, but you're still shacking up with that person. I'm sorry for getting drunk, but you still got the alcohol in the house. I'm sorry for, for living like this, but I still got the same friends. Are you with me? 
you got to cut off, the Bible says, whatever causes you to sin. Cut it off. There are some things that others can do here that you can't do if it causes you to sin. If you can't sit at a laptop, gentlemen, without sinning, cut off that laptop. Put it in the kitchen table, at the kitchen table where everybody got to see you use it, right? You can't drink without getting drunk, cut out all alcohol. You can't go to a movie without seeking out the perversion in the movie, cut out TV. You can't hang out with your friends without getting drugged into the past and bitterness and gossip. Stop hanging out with your friends you got to make a decision. What's it worth to you? Jesus said you would rather go to heaven without arms and legs, cut those things off, than to go to, heaven with, uh, go to hell with your arms and legs intact. Am I preaching all right here? See to it that let no one fall short of the grace of God, that no bitter root grows, grows up to cause and defile many. Do you know what the number one thing that I see Christians struggle with is bitterness? It's not homosexuality. It's not date rape. It's not drunkenness. The number one thing I see that tries to defile Christians as they know and love God is bitterness. And he says, watch out for that. Watch out that you don't let people hurt you, and then you take it out on God. You take it out on his church. Don't let people hurt you and make you forget about the grace of God. See that no one is sexually immoral. Well, how many people are supposed to be sexually immoral? Jesus, can we have just a cute couple that comes in? Because they're, you know, they're so cute and we love them. So they should be sexually immoral because they don't understand marriage yet. What does he say? See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau who sold his meal, uh, his inheritance for a single meal. God is offering us heaven and we're willing to trade heaven for the small things of this earth. Just like Esau. Hey, God promised Esau a million-dollar inheritance, probably even more than that, and what would be in our, in our day and age. He was so hungry one day, he said to his brother, he said, look, man, uh, you got some food here, and I got an inheritance worth a million dollars. That sounds like a fair trade to me. I'll give you my entire inheritance for your bowl of beans. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, don't let the devil make a fool out of you. Oh, God, I'll trade all of eternity for my boyfriend and girlfriend. Sure, I will. I'll, I'll trade all of eternity for this thing right now. I'll, I'll trade it right now for this, Jesus. I'll trade all of heaven, all your blessings, so I can keep unforgiveness in my life, so I can keep this uh, uh, you know, uh, addiction in my life, this perversion. I'll trade it all, Jesus. Don't be a fool like Esau. That's what he's saying. Come on, somebody. How do you receive? You say, well, pastor, what if we do sin as Christians? Well, you come to the blood of Jesus. You ask for forgiveness. Hebrews 9, 13, the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them or are only outwardly clean. So in the Old Testament, they would kill animals, sprinkle blood on you, and they would say, well, now you're clean on the outside. How much more then will the blood of Christ, somebody say blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. Listen, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death how do we get our consciences clean by the blood of christ how do we get our consciences clean by the blood of christ do these acts lead to death or life what do they lead to death so that we may serve the living god i don't even have time to get into four ways of god's cleansing but i want you to see the chart rachel would you come please somebody say now there's a chart <laughs> here's a chart let's look at this chart because I love you. And I want you to believe this. How am I going to believe this with me? Like, does anybody think like I'm like having to believe something different? Like, I'm having to believe this. I need to believe Jesus changed me when I was saved. I can't doubt that and expect to live a good life. Otherwise, I'll make excuses. How many have ever found as being a Christian you make excuses to live in sin? How many of you play dumb sometimes with God? What? What? Well, I didn't know. Well, well, I didn't know that, God. You know, one time I was at, like, the airport, and I was like, hmm, oh, GQ magazine. Well, I wonder what Maxim has going on today. I'm going to look, I'm going to look for the exercises and the articles in Maxim, you know. And then God convicts me, you know. And I'm like, no, that's not God. That's just legalism, you know. I I, sh I should be able to look at Maxim Magazine, and then the Lord's like, no, this, this is really me telling you not to do this. And I'm like, oh, oh me? Oh, oh, you guys like that? Oh, oh, pardon me. Pardon me, Jesus. Get mad, yell at my wife, storm out of the room. I'm right. I'm right. God's like, no, no, you're, you're wrong. No, I'm right, Jesus. I'm right, Jesus. He convicts me. I see it, and I'm like, oh, I didn't. I didn't think about that. 
I didn't, I didn't think about when I yelled at her and I was ungrateful that that was a sin. How many people try to play dumb with God? You know what I'm talking about. You try to ignore the thing in your voice, the inner voice in your conscience called the Holy Spirit. We have consciences without the Holy Spirit, but they can be deceptive, the Bible says. So let me just show you this chart, and I think it will help put it all together. Okay, this is how the Bible describes who we are, and I got all the scriptures in the four ways of uh, being cleansed. I got all these scriptures there. So you come into this world, you have a body, five senses, you know, your brain, your organs. And, and this body is like your shell. It's, it's what your soul and spirit are living in upon this earth because earth is a physical place. It's not a spiritual place, okay? Now, when God created this uh, earth, he created our bodies perfect. So our soul and spirit was to live forever with God here. But when we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when Adam did, he said, in that day you shall surely die. Well, did their body fall over dead? No, what died that day was their connection in soul and spirit to God. It died. And as a result, their body suffered a curse. Your life source was from your spirit, and it was meant to be the energizer battery to your body that would go on and on and on. But when your spiritual connection with God went away, the body was separated from that battery, from that source, and it began to die as you instantly died in your connection to God. That's why Adam and Eve knew they were naked at that moment but did not know they were naked before. Is everybody tracking with me? They, they, they didn't know they were naked because there was light and their body was illuminescent. It was empowered by their spiritual nature. But when that died, they looked at a physical body and go, oh man, we're naked now. The light of God is not running this anymore. And it's going to wear out eventually. And those first bodies took sometimes a thousand years to die. Methuselah was the oldest man that lived, lived to be over a thousand years old because his genes, his, his genetic code was perfect and it kept getting, Adams was perfect, but it kept getting degraded and degraded and degraded until now, you know, if someone lives to a hundred, they're, they're old, right? Like they like live so long because now we have all these genetic defects, cancer and all these things. It's not that we personally deserve it. It's because we lost our source of light in our body. You guys with me? Okay. And your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. This is what makes you new. You are who you are because of your soul. You are a living, breathing soul. This is why we say we're not just animals. You're not an animal being moved along by the instincts of your body. You talk to scientists today who deny God because they're scientists who love God. But ones who deny God, there is no spirit and soul. All you are is just that body. That brain is functioning and giving you the illusion of a self, but you really don't have a self. You're just operating on instinct. This is not my word for it. Take the scientist's words who don't believe in God. But we believe in this, right? We believe we're more than just material beings. We're spiritual. Well, when we say our soul is spiritual, what do we mean by that? What we mean is that our soul has a spiritual life that comes from God, a spirit. We are his creation made in his image. That's why we're not like animals. Animals don't have a soul infused with a spirit to have spiritual life. They only have a body, a physical life. Is everybody with me? That's why dogs and cats don't go to heaven. Okay? Now, when you are in this world and born in this world and you do not serve God, you have the spirit of this age in you. You think according to this world. And the spirit of this age doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. The Bible calls it spirit because it is a spiritual sense, like a Wi-Fi that you are connected to and you feel and think and do a certain way. And that is against God's command. So take this example of the Wi-Fi. My children begin to come into their consciousness. They begin to understand they're a soul and a body, that there is a self within their body. But at that same time, they're connected Wi-Fi to a spirit of darkness. They don't know why they want to lie to mommy and daddy. They don't understand why I have to discipline them. It comes natural to them to begin to disobey. Has anybody here ever had to have? We're not saying our children are little demons. We're just saying they are Wi-Fi connected to a broken moral code. The moral code they live by is me, mine, 
Ah, they don't get their way. Yeah, selfishness. Imagine if our children were as big as football players. They would probably beat up their moms and dads. Hello? You see how angry they get sometimes when they didn't get their way as the terrible Tuesdays. If they were as big as football players, they would beat us up to have another cookie. Cookie, cookie, cookie. Ah! Kick around his legs. Imagine that person being the size of a football player. Poof, knock out mom, knock out dad. Sit down, eat a cookie, cookie. So they're Wi-Fi'd in. But what does God have with children? Mercy. So he says when he walks upon this earth, he says, the king, let the children come. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. He is not going to keep them out of heaven because they have not made a choice to be that way. And all of us were those children. But then God gives us a choice to whether or not we're going to submit the spiritual life he gave us with our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, with our heart. Just substitute the word heart with soul, right? To God or now to our own way. And go to the next uh, slide, scroll down, please. When we choose to live for Jesus, that's what happens. The light comes on. Purity comes. He comes to our spirit and makes us new. We're born again. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again when he's old? Does he enter, put on the head cap and Vaseline, and enter into his mother's womb for the second time? That's what a scholar said, a Jewish scholar. This was the best he could come up with. What does it mean to be born again? Vaseline, head cap, go up into my mother's womb. Jesus said, no, 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 no. To be born of the flesh is flesh, but to be born of the Spirit is spirit. I say you must be born of the Spirit. See, Jesus knew that the body could not be redeemed, made new again, without the Spirit being made new again. The Spirit had to come first. The choice to submit your soul to God, to lay down your will, your emotions to Him, to love Him now with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to submit to that. And this is what cleanses you, the Holy Spirit, the relationship with God. Now scroll down, please. When you're in this world now, there is a battle. And some people think it's a battle between the two me's, an old me and a new me, a good me and a bad me. No. What you battle now is your flesh. You battle now the memories in your brain. You battle now the physical feelings that you used to do and used to feel. And God is saying, I overcome those things. So watch, watch how your soul is connected to your body. Get some revelation here. Watch how your soul is connected to your body. All of us are cool right now, right? How about I start turning up the heat to 90 degrees, keep preaching really loud at you, don't give you any water or anything to eat. How many know agitation is going to start happening? It's not a spiritual principle, but it's a physical principle. I am physically messing with you, and you're now reacting to your physical stimuli. Okay, How many know wives don't get upset, but this is the truth. We strap your husband up to a machine to see if he gets stimulated by seeing women, and they start tramp, uh, uh, tramping, but uh, start lining women down here. He is going to get stimulated, okay? He will get st pheromones. These things will happen to him. You know, that won't happen to my man. Well, then we will, we will parade men down then for him. <laughs> we, will, we will parade men for him, okay? So if he, ain't, if he ain't being stimulated by women, we will parade men. And one of these things is going to stimulate him, okay? Because he is a human being in a body with a sex drive. Sex drive is not demonic. See, we sometimes think when God says, don't be sexually immoral, we're thinking God is saying, don't be sexually active. No, God wants you to be sexually active. That's why he gave you a sex drive. And having sex doesn't feel bad. It feels good. But he wants you to do it in marriage. See, some of you cannot get over your past because you have a hard drive called your brain, and your brain stores memories. 
and it will be stimulated by other smells and sights and words and things and you won't even know what triggers it but then all of a sudden something you felt was in the past is now brought exactly to the future and you're saying well I'm a Christian how is this happening it's because you're in a corrupted body and you must count this body as dead and live for Christ this is how we win is through the Word of God so when your past comes up you stand on the Word of God and say I will not live by my past he said I am a new creation in Christ old things have passed away behold all things have become new see Jesus was tempted but he did not sin right so did he not give us an example of how to be tempted and not sin so anytime you and I sin what did we do we didn't follow Jesus's example do we make excuses no we repent we say Lord forgive me change me purify me and let me continue to obey you in holiness amen now would you just look at this last point as we stand to our feet today would you all stand up please with me give the Lord a hand clap if you can oh man I hope some of y'all got that I had so much more I wanted to say I hardly ever feel this, but I feel it today. I don't feel like I gave you enough. Some of you need to really go back and listen to the message again or read the notes. I want you to see point number one under how we will see God. We will see God means to partially see him now through his reflection in us and in other children of God. But one day we'll see him face to face. Look at the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I'm fully known. Dear friends, in 1 John 3, 2, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has yet have been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. Okay, now just track with me here. What did Jesus do on the third day after he was crucified? He rose from the dead. Did he have a body when he rose from the dead? Okay, he rose from the dead physically. The Bible calls him the first fruit of the resurrection. We will not just be souls and spirits in heaven, a spiritual soul in heaven. We're coming back to the body, and it's going to be the body of Christ, like his body. We're going to share in his divine nature. We will not be little gods. We won't be omniscient, all-powerful, but we're going to have his kind of body, his kind of body that is forever pure, and we'll never sin again, and we'll never turn our backs on God again, and we'll never have an Adam and Eve situation again. But what the Bible is promising us is that we don't just have to wait to die to be like him. We can be like him now in our soul and spirit. And then we can see him as the Bible says, like a cloudy reflection. It's like, it's like I can see you somewhere in there, Jesus. It's kind of cloudy. It's kind of dirty. It's kind of, kind of messy. But I, I can kind of make out your image in this reflection. And how do we see that? The reflection is in you now. You look at yourself in the mirror. You go, God is in me. It's kind of cloudy because I got this body of flesh that fights against who I am. But I can see Jesus shining through me. And I can see Jesus shining through my brother and my sister. So I know if he's done it here in my heart and soul while I'm in this cage of a body, he'll do it one day for everyone to see. So do you believe on the inside you've been changed? Band, would you come, please, altar workers? Now, today, I want to give two altar calls. I'm just in really quick here. Thank you for your patience. Two things I want you to consider before you go. Just please consider this. Number one, have you been born again? By the definition that I gave today of what it means to be born again, have you accepted Jesus that way? That's the first thing. Then the second thing is, if you are born again, and you know you're not living like this, it's time to start today. And it's time to start by believing it is what it is. It's true. When do you think you're going to become who God wants you to be? When? If it's not today, when? Do you think God set up a time schedule like, okay, I want you to struggle with this like, 
depression and bitterness for the next two years, but, you know, when you're 29 or when you're 35, then I'll set you free. Jesus is asking you, I believe today in this message, who wants to be free? Do you want to stop doing those things? You see, because now, and let me end with this. See, as a Christian who knows God like this, I know when I sin, there's no excuse. See, my prayer of repentance may be much different than some of you in this second category. Mean God, you know, I, I, I'm doing the illustration with, you know, playing around. But I know, like, I know my wife knows, we'll talk about, we know when we sin. We know when we've done those things. And we know when we resist it and pretend like we shouldn't do it. Stop making excuses, Christian. I want to see people live for God and be honest with who they are. Because I know who I am and I know who God made me to be. And I'm not going to settle for anything less. So just like today, if I came to you and I go, guys, you know, man, I cheated on my wife last week, but I'm still here and I still love God. I'm, I'm not expecting that to be normal. You need to stop expecting sin to be normal. You need to start believing like that's abnormal. That's weird. That's not good. That's not healthy. That's not right. Living for God is. Amen. Let's pray. Father, for those that are here today, those who have